Father, I truly believe that wherever you are, we can encounter you and it can be a life-changing experience. You can speak to us. You know how each one of us is put together. You know what it takes to get our attention. So, Lord, get our attention with those things we need. Uh, Plant this in us. And, Lord, may we grow up in you through Jesus. Amen. Amen. may be seated. Um, Get out your Bibles if you haven't already, whether they're on your phone or you have the paper copy. I'm going to be in John 6. I'm going to start in verse 25. John 6, 25. Because I want to start at the beginning of this whole passage that we've been been uh, working through. Uh, we've been reading through it every Sunday in August, but we haven't talked about it. Just you know, we've had guest speakers and different things have come up, but this was a conversation that Jesus had in one short, few minute time period, and I feel like we can unpack it in the next twenty minutes or so, and and at least get an overview of some of the things that he was saying, some of the the keys that he gave us for understanding it. Um, like Dory said, this whole passage, it's, it's talking about Jesus being the bread and life and eating his body and blood. And, and it's weird and strange in some ways. It certainly was to the ones who were hearing it. I uh, want to give you the context in which he said this. The thing that happened immediately preceding this, the biggest event, was Jesus fed the 5,000. Right, So he feeds them. One of the things that he fed them on was bread. And he did it miraculously. I don't know if everybody there who ate it knew it was a miracle, but you know, there's some indication that they didn't. But they were glad to get the bread. They thought that was a pretty good thing. And so when Jesus left and he goes back to Capernaum, a lot of the people who were there followed. They got in boats and some of them marched around the, the lake. And you know, they all show up looking for Jesus. And here we come to John six twenty five. I went too far. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? You know, we've been looking for you for quite a while. How long have you been here? And Jesus answered, I'll tell you the truth. You're looking for me. Not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. I think you're looking for a free lunch. And then he says, don't work for food that spoils. Now, does that include all physical food? He's saying, don't work for food that spoils. All physical food spoils. He's like... I want you to put your focus on something else, right? Now, I don't think Jesus says, don't go to work and laze around on the couch. That's not the teaching here. But he says, I want you to work for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Now, this is is kind of thematic. Jesus is starting to bring up, he's making this metaphor, right? It's like, I I want you to work for another kind of food. He says, I know you're hungry for things. And you're hungry for things that bread isn't going to fill. Now, it wasn't clear to them yet what he's talking about. But we live in the future. We know that, right? Yes, we do. We know that. So, they continue the conversation. They asked him, what kind of work are you talking about? What must we do 
to do the works that God requires. I mean, do we have to go to seminary and be a pastor or join a monastery or a convent or keep the law or go to church every Sunday? Do we have to get a gold star in Sunday school? What do we have to do? Is it about being nice? What is this? And Jesus answered, and this is really one of the more important things he says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And it's a word that we translate often faith or faithfulness uh, or belief like we do here. But, but it's, it's, it's work, evidently, to believe in Jesus. To have faith in Jesus. It's, this is what gives you access to, to food that we all need and hunger for. And the way you get it is by believing, which means you, you not only have an opinion that you hold between your ears, but you have the faithfulness to walk it out and do something with it, to be obedient to what he says. Right? So it's both of those components. It's what's in between your ears and it's what you do with your hands and feet. Right? All right. So they asked him. It's a little confusing to them. They're like, um, let's try it this way. All right. What kind of miraculous sign will you give so we can see it and, and believe you? You're talking about wanting us to believe you. Give us a sign. You know, our forefathers got a sign. Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it's written, and then they quote scripture to Jesus. You ever done that? As it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, who do you think, I mean, y'all are pretty smart people. Who do you think they're thinking of is the he who gave them bread from heaven to eat? They're thinking Moses. Moses was leading the people when all the manna came. They're thinking, Moses did something, and that caused all the people, you know, they followed Moses. What are you going to do if you want us to do this work and believe, you know, follow after you? And Jesus said to them, hey, uh, let me tell you the truth here. It's not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. It's my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. And, and so he's saying two things. First of all, he's saying, first of all, Moses didn't come up with manna. God came up with manna, right? And that was then. And now my Father in heaven has given you a better kind of bread. He's given you a true bread from heaven. The bread of God isn't manna. It's he who comes down from heaven. The bread of God is he who gives life to the world. Who do you think he's talking to? Talking about. Who do you think he's talking about? Himself. Yeah, good. You live in the future with me. Great. Yes, he's talking about himself. We know this. Those people are trying to put it together. They said, well, they're not quite getting it. Like, sir, okay. From now on, this sounds like a pretty good deal. Give us this bread. And Jesus is thinking they're just not getting it, are they? So he's, he speaks to them real plainly now. He says, he declares to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. 
He who believes, who, who, who trusts, who perseveres, who follows after, who's obedient to me, will never be thirsty. I mean, it's me, Jesus is saying. God has sent me. God has sent me because people are hungry. You're not just hungry for food. You're hungry for things that this world can't give you. The deepest things, the deepest motivations, the deepest hungers in your heart are things that only I can satisfy. Phil Ashey wrote in the latest letter from the American Anglican Council in the past week or so, he said, this image can speak to those today who are starving for meaning, for identity, for every other need of the human soul and heart and mind. Jesus offers real food and real drink for our hungry hearts and thirsty souls. Now you, you, I'm betting, You've known what it's like to have a hungry heart. Especially if you lived in the 80s and they had that song. You, you know what it is to long for things or to have, you know, the, the, the need. It's just so deep within you. And, and, and maybe, I hope you've found that Jesus can satisfy it, but you may have tried other things. And just never satisfied it, never filled that need, that hole, that emptiness, that hunger, that longing. But Jesus says, you come to me. And he gives a couple of real good clues in here about how do we, you know, how does Jesus actually fill those longings and those needs and those desires? He says, he who comes to me. First of all, we have to come to Jesus. We have to recognize that he's the one that we go to. And we have to approach him somehow. And if you've never done it, it may seem weird to say, okay, Jesus, I want to find you. If this is real and I want to be in on it, that's what I said. But we have to come to Jesus and then... He who believes in me, he, he who has faith in me, who trusts me, who not only forms a good opinion about me, but follows through in what you do by being obedient, by applying my teaching, by trusting that what I'm doing is what you need. That is what's going to address these longings, these hurts, these needs, these Dreams and desires, like nothing else will, come into Jesus, following Him. Not just trusting, but actively doing what He says and how He leads. But, but the people will try all kinds of things to fill these, these hungry places. People will try and fill loneliness with all kinds of things. Won't they? I mean, we, we all have in some degree. Um, social media or 
or girlfriend or boyfriend or, or getting married. Maybe that'll fill it. Well, that didn't fill it. Or, or being the life of the party or, or so, something out there has got to fill it. And Jesus says, yeah, I can fill that need. I can, I can take care of that loneliness, but you've got to come. And you've got to trust. You've got to put into action these things that I'm going to lead you in. I'll also bring other people into your life. But you're always going to be lonely unless you come to Jesus. Uh, the, there's a hunger that we call our, our passion or purpose in life. Why, why am I here? What, what is it for me to do? Maybe what is it for me to do at this stage in my life? I, it's like I've lost my I don't know what to do at this point in my life. Nothing's going to fill that hunger if you don't come to Jesus. And trust him and put into practice what he puts before you to do. But when you do, you'll discover your reason for living. You'll find passion. Maybe where your deep joy meets the deep needs of the world. Wherever you are right now. That may be where it is. But he's the one that's got to lead you there. You, you know, it's, if you try and fill it on your own, who knows where you'll end up. And then Jesus says to this group, he says, but like I told you, you've seen me and you're not doing this. You still don't believe. You're, you're not being faithful. You're not putting into practice those things that you heard me talk about when I gave you the other bread. If you had, you probably wouldn't be asking me the questions you're asking. People come to Jesus all the time. They come to God looking for temporary answers to the deep needs. It, it's like um, when you run out of money and you still have bills to pay. And you come to God, you're like, oh, God, get, you know, if I need the money. I need to pay the bills. And you're looking for a temporary need. And God is, while God can do that and at times does do that, God's real desire to work in our lives is, is to train us up in the way we should go. That we would develop the character and the wisdom to treat finances in the way that he intends for us to treat finances. Where we save and where we tithe and where we uh, don't live beyond our means. And he wants to develop that in us. And, and he's the one that teaches that. Is all, the, all the best advice you've ever gotten actually comes from what God reveals in the scriptures. And he wants us to come to him and to put that stuff into practice. Not that he can't snap his fingers, but I think it's more important to him that we grow up than it is that he just provide ways for us to not have to grow up. Skip down to verse 48. Jesus is continuing to, to, he says, I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. It, it didn't satisfy. It didn't do in them what I want to happen for you. But here's the bread that came down from heaven. And I can just see Jesus doing this. Here's the bread that came down from heaven, which a man can eat and not die. 
I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he'll live forever. I mean, we live in the future. We kind of get the metaphor, don't we? We understand what he's talking about. He's talking about, oh, for those of you that come and you, you come to me and you, and you are teachable and, and, and you let me speak to your souls and, and you do what I say and you follow after me as I lead. If you do that, you're going to find a life that you've never found before that will never quit. You're going to be able to start living in a way that you've never lived. This bread, this is my flesh. This is who you follow, Jesus says. And I'll give it for the life of the world. He was talking about the crucifixion, right? We know that. And and, and somehow trusting in that, following after the Jesus who who allowed himself to be crucified and and who rose again from the dead and, and trusting in him and following after him gives that new life, doesn't it? And the Jews began to argue amongst themselves because they didn't get it. How can this man give us his flesh to eat. They, they kind of missed the metaphor, didn't they? They didn't do well in their literature classes, I don't think. Right? And Jesus said, wait, I don't know why Jesus did this. I don't know why Jesus decided to just take that metaphor and you know that fine line when you've gone too far and he just jumps the heck across it. And he just, he just he twists it down even harder. He says, I tell, you, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, I don't know why Jesus had to go and do that. Because it's weird. And, and it's offensive. And it's hard to understand. It's like, whoa. Why are you doing this, Jesus? Uh, but But... We, we find out later on that, that he uses this imagery when he's going through the Passover meal. And he's, he's teaching his disciples, hey, the Passover, as much as it's about, you know, what happened to your ancestors, is even more about what I'm doing for you. That I'm giving my body and blood to bring freedom to you that you've never had. Freedom to know me and worship. Right, so we know that he goes and does that, and we talk about it every Sunday here. They didn't know that yet. Jesus is like he's setting the table. And uh, the early Christians, when they would, they'd get together and they'd celebrate the Lord's Supper, this Paschal feast, and, and use terms like the body and blood of the Messiah, and, and they were accused at times of being cannibals. Because other people didn't understand. Because it's, it's weird. It's hard. But they'd eat the, the bread and the wine and, and call it the body and blood. Now, this is, comes out of what Matthew says Jesus did that night for the Passover feast. He says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples and said, take it, knead it. This is my body. This should be familiar words to you, too. Then you took the cup and gave thanks and offered it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. 
This is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now his body and his blood had not yet been shed. That was tomorrow. This is Passover night. Tomorrow he's going to be crucified. But he's redefining the whole Passover feast to say, as much as you can look back on history and it's about your ancestors, it's even more about what I'm doing. And every time you go through this, I want you to think about what I've done, what I'm going to do for you. Now we look and say what Jesus has done. And we, we recognize this. When we come to, to the table and we share communion together, the Lord's Supper together, and we take the bread and wine and we say, this is the body and blood. It should remind us that the way that, that we're fed is by coming to Jesus, by trusting him, by following him, by putting into practice what he says. Yes, we come here and, and we as Anglicans, we believe that somehow we really do encounter the risen Lord in this meal. That we, we call it the real presence, that God is really present in this in a mystical, supernatural way. Now, officially, we don't come down where our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters do and say it's been transubstantiated and, and, and it's actual body and blood cannibalistic. We, officially, we don't go there. I know that we have some among us who that's where you are. Officially, we come down and we say, this is not just bread and just wine. This is something that somehow in this, God has, is, his real presence is with us and we encounter him in this. But we don't think we go that far, but, but let's go with what we do know. But it should also be a reminder that we come to Jesus to know him and to follow him. We also say this. Every Sunday we say, take and eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your heart by faith with thanksgiving. So again, we say, come to Jesus. Feed on him by being faithful to him. So every Sunday when you come, know that you encounter the living God when you come. And let it be a reminder to come to Jesus and follow him faithfully. That is what is going to meet your deepest hunger. That is what's going to make this real food and drink that satisfies. Not a wafer and some wine is good as they are, but encountering Jesus. But they didn't get it. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. This came from our reading this morning. And so Jesus turns to the twelve and was like, what about you guys? You don't want to leave too, do you? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, if there were anybody else we felt like we could go to, we'd probably be out of here. 
but you have the words of eternal life. And we believe, and frankly, we know you're the Holy One of God. And as hard as this is to understand, and as weird as it is, and I understand, Jesus, why so many people have turned away and left you. I just don't have anywhere else to go because I think you're the one that God has sent. And I think this can be a reminder to you and me that there are going to be times when the Lord says, when Jesus says, hey, this is how I want you to handle it. I just want you to forgive them. Yeah, but they owe me so much. It doesn't matter. I want you to forgive them. But I don't understand, Jesus. I know. But Jesus, that's actually offensive to me. I know. But trust me. Do it. Oh, Lord, my heart is so broken. I miss them so much. I wish I could see them again. I know. Just trust me and follow me. You'll see them one day, but trust me and follow me now. But, oh, God, it hurts so much now. I know. Just trust me. Follow me. Right? And even at those times when it's hard to understand God, I think this is an example of saying, where else are you going to go? There is no other that you can go to that will be able to satisfy you like Jesus. And trust him and follow him. And he will never do you wrong. That deep hurt that you have. He knows, and he is the one most able to deal with it. So today, when you come to communion, you're going to encounter the living God in the midst of his people. And take it also as a reminder that that you need to live a life of coming to Jesus, trusting him, even when it's hard to do so, even when it's hard to take the counsel that he gives you. Go ahead, put it into practice. Be faithful with it. Don't just have an opinion about it. Do something with it. Because he's the one who will satisfy those deep needs, hurts, longings, and dreams. And no one else can. So let's pray together. Father, when we come today, I pray that we do encounter the living God in the breaking of the bread. I also pray, Lord, that we will come to Jesus, that we'll believe in him, that we'll trust him, seek him, listen to him, follow him, take his counsel, be obedient to him, rejoice with him. Sit with him, even at times when it's hard to understand. Even at times when the longing is so deep. Even at times when the pain is so powerful. Because the Lord Jesus is the bread that has come down from heaven. The bread of life. And as we eat of this bread, We shall find eternal life. Let that be true for us, O Lord. 
this day and on into the future. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.